0: chapters 7 to 10 of tristram shandy volume 4 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by martin geeson the life and opinions of tristram shandy gentlemen Volume four, last volume, by Lawrence Stern. Chapter seven. What a tract of country have I run? How many degrees nearer to the warm sun am I advanced? And how many fair and goodly cities have I seen during the time you have been reading and reflecting, madam, upon this story? there's fontainebleau and sang and joigny and auxerre and dijon the capital of burgundy and chalons and macon the capital of the maconese and a score more upon the road to lyons and now i have run them over i might as well talk to you of so many market-towns in the moon as tell you one word about them it will be this chapter at the least if not both this and the next entirely lost do what i will why tis a strange story tristram alas madam had it been upon some melancholy lecture of the cross the peace of meekness or the contentment of resignation i had not been incommoded or had i thought of writing it upon the purer abstractions of the soul and that food of wisdom and holiness and contemplation upon which the spirit of man when separated from the body is to subsist for ever you would have come with a better appetite from it i wish i never had wrote it but as i never blot anything out let us use some honest means to get it out of our heads directly pray reach me my fool's cap i fear you sit upon it madam it is under the cushion i'll put it on bless me you have had it upon your head this half hour there then let it stay with a faradiddle-die and a faradiddle-dee and high dum die dum fiddle dum see and now madam we may venture i hope a little to go on chapter eight all you need say of fontainebleau in case you are asked is that it stands about forty miles south something from paris in the middle of a large forest that there is something great in it that the king goes there once every two or three years with his whole court for the pleasure of the chase and that during that carnival of sporting any english gentleman of fashion you need not forget yourself may be accommodated with a nag or two to partake of the sport taking care only not to out gallop the king though there are two reasons why you need not talk loud of this to every one first because twill make the said nags the harder to be got and secondly tis not a word of it true allons as for Saint, you may dispatch in a word tis an archiepiscopal for joigny the less I think one says of it the better but for auxerre I could go on for ever for in my grand tour through europe in which after all my father not caring to trust me with any one attended me himself with my uncle toby and trim and Obadiah and indeed most of the family except my mother who being taken up with a project of knitting my father a pair of large worsted breeches the thing is common sense and she not caring to be put out of her way she stayed at home at shandy hall to keep things right during the expedition in which i say my father stopping us two days at and his researches being ever of such a nature that they would have found fruit even in a desert he has left me enough to say upon Auxerre. in short wherever my father went but twas more remarkably so in this journey through france and italy than in any other stages of his life his road seemed to lie so much on one side of that wherein all other travellers have gone before him he saw kings and courts and silks of all colours in such strange lights and his remarks and reasonings upon the characters the manners and customs of the countries we passed over were so opposite to those of all other mortal men, particularly those of my uncle Toby and Trim, to say nothing of myself, and to crown all the occurrences and scrapes which we were perpetually meeting and getting into, in consequence of his systems and opiniatory they were so odd so mixed and tragi-comical a contexture that the whole put together it appears of so different a shade and tint from any tour of europe which was ever executed that I will venture to pronounce the fault must be mine and mine only, if it be not read by all travellers and travel readers, till travelling is no more, or, which comes to the same point, till the world finally takes it into its head to stand still. But, this rich bale is not to be opened now, except a small thread or two of it, merely to unravel the mystery of my father's stay at Auxerre. As I have mentioned it, tis too slight to be kept suspended, and when tis wove in, there is an end of it. "'We'll go, brother Toby,' said my father, whilst dinner is codlin, to the abbey of st germain if it be only to see those bodies of which m sequier has given such a recommendation i'll go see anybody quoth my uncle toby for he was all compliance through every step of the journey defend me said my father they are all mummies then one need not shave quoth my uncle toby shave no cried my father we we'll be more like relations to go with our beards on so out we sallied the corporal lending his master his arm and bringing up the rear to the abbey of saint germain everything is very fine and very rich and very superb and very magnificent said my father addressing himself to the sacristan who was a younger brother of the order of benedictines but our curiosity has led us to see the bodies of which monsieur Sequier has given the world so exact a description the sacristan made a bow and lighting a torch first which he had always in the vestry ready for the purpose he led us into the tomb of saint heribald this said the sacristan laying his hand upon the tomb was a renowned prince of the house of bavaria who under the successive reigns of charlemagne louis le debonnaire and charles the Bald, bore a great sway in the government and had a principal hand in bringing everything into order and discipline then he has been as great said my uncle in the field as in the cabinet i dare say he has been a gallant soldier he was a monk said the sacristan my uncle toby and trim sought comfort in each other's faces but found it not my father clapped both his hands upon his codpiece which was a way he had when anything hugely tickled him for though he hated a monk and the very smell of a monk worse than all the devils in hell yet the shot hitting my uncle toby and trim so much harder than him twas a relative triumph and put him into the gayest humour in the world and pray what do you call this gentleman quoth my father rather sportingly this tomb said the young benedictine looking downwards contains the bones of saint maxima who came from ravenna on purpose to touch the body of saint maximus said my father popping in with his saint before him they were two of the greatest saints in the whole martyrology added my father excuse me said the sacristan twas to touch the bones of saint germain the builder of the abbey and what did she get by it said my uncle toby what does any woman get by it said my father martyrdom replied the young benedictine making a bow down to the ground and uttering the word with so humble but decisive a cadence it disarmed my father for a moment Tis supposed, continued the Benedictine, that St. Maxima has lain in this tomb four hundred years, and two hundred before her canonisation.' <laughs> "'Tis but a slow rise, brother Toby,' quoth my father, in this self-same army of martyrs a desperate slow one and please your honour said trim unless one could purchase i should rather sell out entirely quoth my uncle toby i am pretty much of your opinion brother toby said my father poor saint maxima said my uncle toby low to himself as we turned from her tomb she was one of the fairest and most beautiful ladies either of italy or france continued the sacristan, but who the deuce has got lain down here besides her quoth my father pointing with his cane to a large tomb as we walked on it is Saint Optat, sir, answered the sacristan. And properly is Saint Optat placed, said my father. And what is Saint Optat's story? continued he. Saint Optat, replied the sacristan, was a bishop i thought so by heaven cried my father interrupting him saint optat how should saint optat fail so snatching out his pocket-book and the young benedictine holding him the torch as he wrote he set it down as a new prop to his system of christian names And I will be bold to say, so disinterested was he in the search of truth, that had he found a treasure in St. Optat's tomb, it would not have made him half so rich. "'Twas as successful a short visit as ever was paid to the dead." and so highly was his fancy pleased with all that had passed in it, that he determined at once to stay another day in Auxerre. "'I'll see the rest of these good gentry to-morrow,' said my father, as we crossed over the square. "'And while you are paying that visit, Brother Shandy,' quoth my Uncle Toby, the corporal and i will mount the ramparts Hmm. chapter nine now this is the most puzzled skein of all for in this last chapter as far at least as it has helped me through auxerre i have been getting forwards in two different journeys together and with the same dash of the pen for i have got entirely out of auxerre in this journey which i am writing now and am got half-way out of auxerre in that which i shall write hereafter there is but a certain degree of perfection in everything and by pushing at something beyond that i have brought myself into such a situation as no traveller ever stood before me for i am this moment walking across the market-place of Auxerre with my father and my uncle toby in our way back to dinner and i am this moment also entering lyon with my post shares broke into a thousand pieces and i am moreover this moment in a handsome pavilion built by pringello the same don pringello the celebrated spanish architect of whom my cousin Antony has made such honourable mention in a scolium to the tale inscribed to his name vide page one hundred and twenty nine small edition upon the banks of the garonne which monsieur slignac has lent me and where I now sit, rhapsodizing all these affairs. Let me collect myself, and pursue my journey. (laughs) Ah, Chapter 10 I am glad of it said i settling the account with myself as i walked into lyons my shares being all laid higgledy-piggledy with my baggage in a cart which was moving slowly before me i am heartily glad said i that tis all broke to pieces for now i can go directly by water to avignon which will carry me on a hundred and twenty miles of my journey, and not cost me seven livres. And from thence, continued I, bringing forwards the account, I can hire a couple of mules, or asses, if I like, for nobody knows me, and cross the plains of Languedoc for almost nothing. I shall gain four hundred livres by the misfortune clear into my purse, and pleasure worth, worth double the money by it. With what velocity, continued I, clapping my two hands together, shall I fly down the rapid Rhone with the Vivar on my right hand, and Dauphiny on my left scarce seeing the ancient cities of vienne valence and vivieres what a flame it will rekindle in the lamp to snatch such a blushing grape from the hermitage and cote rôtie as i shoot by the foot of em and what a fresh spring in the blood to behold upon the banks advancing and retiring The castles of romance, Where courteous knights have whilom rescued the distressed, And see, vertiginous, the rocks, the mountains, The cataracts, and all the hurry which nature is in With all her great works about her as i went on thus methought my chaise, the wreck of which looked stately enough at the first insensibly grew less and less in its size the freshness of the painting was no more the gilding lost its lustre and the whole affair appeared so poor in my eyes so sorry so contemptible and in a word so much worse than the abbess of andouillers itself that i was just opening my mouth to give it to the devil when a pert vamping chaise undertaker stepping nimbly across the street demanded if monsieur would have his chaise refitted no no said i shaking my head sideways would monsieur choose to sell it rejoined the undertaker with all my soul said i the ironwork is worth forty livres and the glass is worth forty more and the leather you may take to live on what a mine of wealth quoth i as he counted me the money has this post-shares brought me in and this is my usual method of book-keeping at least with the disasters of life making a penny of every one of em as they happen to me do my dear jenny tell the world for me how i behaved under one the most oppressive of its kind which could befall me as a man proud as he ought to be of his manhood tis enough saidst thou coming close up to me as i stood with my garters in my hand reflecting upon what had not passed tis enough tristram and i am satisfied saidst thou whispering these words in my ear any other man would have sunk down to the centre everything is good for something quoth i i'll go into wales for six weeks and drink goat's whey, and i'll gain seven years longer life for the accident for which reason I think myself inexcusable for blaming fortune, so often as I have done, for pelting me all my life long, like an ungracious duchess, as I called her, with so many small evils. Surely if I have any cause to be angry with her, 'tis that she has not sent me great ones a score of good cursed bouncing losses would have been as good as a pension to me. One of a hundred a year or so is all I wish. I would not be at the plague of paying land tax for a larger. End of chapter ten